Do we have the people who were baptised back in here? So Julie, yes. Nicola, yes. I have it on good authority then that women are quicker at getting dressed and ready than men. So we, we don't appear to have Pete. He's still doing his hair. So um, well done, women. You did good. Look at that. You cannot argue with that proof, can you? Where is he? Lovely. I think Pete will join us in just a moment. Lovely. So, good morning, Real Life Church, and good morning if you are visiting here this morning. I'm going to talk to you out of a story from the Bible, and then we're going to sing a couple of songs and pray for... Julie, Pete, and Nicola. So we're going to pack a lot in this morning, aren't we? If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, please don't worry. I'm going to read it to you anyway. Um, If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible and you need some recommendations or some help or you'd like us to get you one, please come and chat to me at the end. We love putting Bibles into people's hands. So I had a day off yesterday, uh, which is why I'm really like chilled out today. Nothing is stressing me today. I'm like, and I went to a spa. Oh my gosh. I actually wanted to move in. It's like at the end of the day, I was like, is there an option for me to live here? Um, So just a beautiful day and a day off. I have two energetic, beautiful boys and a lovely husband, but I got to be without them for a whole day. So no one asked me to get them a drink, make them a sandwich, pick up their socks, find their shoes. No one asked me to do anything. Um, And I got to just, yeah, chill out, read books, go in the sauna. There was this place at the spa called the Sanctuary, and it was this room, this beautiful room, full of beds, like, and the the beds, you could recline them or have them up a little bit. They had low lighting, really soft light, and then these beautiful snuggly blankets on the bed, And, and I went with Charlotte, and I said to Charlotte, do not let me fall asleep in there, because I had this vision of my spa day being spent in the sanctuary asleep. And half past five would come round, Charlotte would wake me up, and I'd be like, oh no, I didn't have a steam, I didn't have a, it probably would have been really good for me to have a sleep, but they had the most snuggly blankets, so I I lay there and had a little read, and then I put my book on my uh, chest and thought, I'll just close my eyes for a minute, and then Charlotte was like, do we need to go now? I was like, yes please. So I'm just going to fall asleep, felt so safe, felt so warm, felt so at home. So I want you to keep that image in mind of a sanctuary, a shelter, a hideaway, a retreat, a safe space, all right? So I'm going to read to you from Matthew 3, and it's the story of John the Baptist. Uh, There's a little bit in it that's a little bit hairy, so just bear with me. I will unpack it for you. So in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. 
For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. When they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John was one of those people that didn't really mince his words. So, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his spirit and with fire. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his, into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. If you know your Bibles at all, you will know that this story is found in the Gospel of Matthew, but it's also found in all the other Gospels. The book of Matthew, which is a story of the life of Jesus, is the earliest official account of the life of Jesus. And just as a little aside, the Gospels are by far the most historically accurate texts you will ever find because they were orally passed on in, in the generation where the events happened and then written down in the lifetime of the people who were part of the story. They could verify the story. They could also contest the stories. So historically, the Gospels are pretty accurate and pretty good texts to look at. Matthew is likely to be written by Matthew, who was a tax collector, who sat on the side of the road taking money from people, taking more than he had earned and more than he deserved. And then one day, Jesus walked past his place of work and said, I'm having you. And Matthew put down everything and got up and left his life of stealing from people and followed Jesus. The book of Matthew focuses on God being with us. It's the story of the whole book. It's basically that God loves to be near his people. And so it's a story of what God does to touch, get close, and be near to all of his people. The cross, really, if you look at, if you dial it, kind of dilute it all down, the cross is really about God wanting to be close to a people. 
It's about God saying, actually, I want to be in relationship with you. Therefore, I'll go to these lengths to make you clean and make you right before me. So let me tell you a little bit about John the Baptist, because he's such a great character. I, I love reading the story of John the Baptist and learning a bit about him. John the Baptist was born of Zechariah the priest and Elizabeth. They were very old and had never had kids. And John was a child that they were promised. And some of you sitting here know what that's like to have a child that was promised. Or some of you are sitting here and you're a child of promise. You're a child that your parents prayed for over and over again and longed for and wanted. John was a child of promise. He would have been the firstborn son, he was their only son, and it would have been way more usual for the dad to name the firstborn son and give the son his name or a family name. That would have been way more usual. But because John was promised by God, God already had a name for John. So God had already told Zachariah that they were to call their boy John. So he was not only promised by God, but he was also named by God. So John was different from the moment he was born. So even when they named John in one of the stories, the people around go, why have you called him John? Because actually straight away, his name stood out. Straight away, his name made him really different. He had earthly parents, but he actually had a father in heaven who named him and chose him and decided what he would be, look like and do. And it's the same when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, you have earthly parents. You are born of the flesh, but you gain a dad in heaven because you are born again by the Spirit. As an aside, it was the same for Jesus. So Jesus was born of Mary, but his dad in heaven brought him into being and made him and said, this boy will be called Jesus. So he took the role of dad and said, I'm naming him. I'm telling you who he is and what he's going to be like. If you're a Christian in the room this morning, that's you. So you have earthly parents, but you have a dad in heaven who knows you, names you, and tells you who you are and what you will be like. It is incredibly powerful. And what it means is it doesn't matter where you come from. And it doesn't matter what your parenting or your parents or what, it doesn't matter what that looks like. It does not disqualify you in the kingdom of God. Because when you become a Christian, your dad in heaven names you. He says, you are now mine. You now belong to me. Therefore, you can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do anything. And I am not limited by my background or stunted by it in any way, shape, or form. Because God is my dad. John didn't look like everybody else. So the clothes he wore, John wore camel hair woven and coarse camel hair, wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He didn't look like everybody else. He didn't sound like everybody else. He didn't eat what everybody else ate. There was something about John right from the outset that was different, set apart, unusual, and stood out. He was one of those characters that probably walked into a room and everyone kind of looked a bit and thought, wow, he's different. He's unusual. He might have been taller than everybody else. He certainly wore clothes that were different to everybody else. It doesn't even look like John wanted to fit. 
If you listen to a lot of how he speaks in the Bible, you think, it doesn't even look like he read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence. It doesn't really look like John was PC. I don't think he'd have fitted well in this society. It doesn't look like his concern was about fitting with what was going on around him. It looked like his concern was about fitting with God. And I want to say to you this morning, maybe you are someone who stands out. Maybe you're different. Maybe you wear slightly different clothes. Maybe you do slightly different things. Maybe you've always felt a little bit out of place. You've always felt a little bit taller or a little bit shorter. Or your hair's a different color to everyone else. Or you've always felt slightly like on the edge. What you need to know is the sanctuary or the place where you fit or your shelter or your safe place is God. What you need to know is all sorts of people who dress in all sorts of ways and have all sorts of different jobs and different backgrounds and different fit when it comes to the kingdom of God. So if you are someone thinking, I don't know where I fit. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I always feel like I'm slightly out of place. Understand this, in the kingdom of God, you fit perfectly because it's an all size fits type of kingdom. And I think God delights to use anyone and everyone, especially those who feel like, I just don't know how I fit where I fit. I've spent most of my life not really understanding how I fit. I've, I've always felt a little out of place with my opinions on things, with how I feel about things, sometimes just with how I express myself. I, I love to dance. I love to, I, I, I just am quite expressive. I sometimes feel like, I'm not even sure, I say sometimes, I feel sometimes like I should have been born somewhere else where it's okay to let rip and go crazy before God and dance and sing and, and just be. In the kingdom of God, when I was born again, when I became a Christian, it was a place where I suddenly felt at home. I suddenly thought, man, I like fit here. And I fit here because all sorts of people in all shapes and sizes with all different backgrounds and languages and all fit. And so it's this lovely pot of different things and different people. So you may feel like that, but in actual fact, the place where you fit is in God. And I truly, when I became a Christian, felt that sense of I'd come home. And not home where I can be all comfortable and slob out, but home where I can be myself and be all that I'm supposed to be. John didn't sound like everybody else or act like everybody else either. So he was a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. And we read that and think, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus was coming. Because of course we read the story and know he'd been born and we knew he was coming. The Jewish people had spent 400 years with complete silence about the Messiah. They didn't know he touched down in Bethlehem. They didn't know that he was a baby and had been born. Some shepherds did. Some wise men did. But the rest of the Jewish nation had had silence and were waiting. And then John comes on the scene and he says, he's coming. What he looks like is a little crazy because everybody knows that there's been total silence and nothing. He looks a little like Noah who builds an ark when there's no rain He looks a little odd, and his message is quite 
offensive. His message is basically, you need to sort yourself out with God. Your heritage is not enough. It's not enough that you grew up in church or you grew up around Christian parents. It's not enough that you have a heritage. His message is, you need to sort yourself out with Jesus. You need to be saved. You personally need to repent of your sins and be baptized in water. His message is offensive. His message is full on. He then starts baptizing people in the Jordan River. And he says, Jesus is coming. Someone's coming who's going to baptize you in the spirit and with fire. So he's pointing to Jesus, even though Jesus isn't walking down the road. He's not saying there he is and he starts walking down. He's saying he's coming. Most of the Jewish people would have looked at him and just thought, you're making me feel really uncomfortable. I don't understand why you're dressed like that or why you're doing what you're doing. And and I don't see Jesus yet. If you are prophetic or you hear from God or you understand something about the things of God, you will always be a few steps ahead. You will always be saying something is happening, something is coming that no one else can see. You always feel like you're saying, do you not see? Can you not hear? He's there. You'll always feel like that. John was prophetic. John was a prophet. So he saw future things and he spoke as if they were now. Some of you know that that's how you're wired up. You see things that are far off and you you talk about them like they're now. You sometimes feel like you're speaking and everyone's looking at you and they're thinking, crazy. Or they're thinking, just relax a bit, calm down a bit. Or they're thinking, maybe you should go back into the wilderness and not out here in public saying things like that. Sometimes you feel like you want to speak out about things that are not very PC and are not very comfortable. And you find yourself having to speak up and say things and say, no, no, that's not right. You find yourself correcting things. John had to do that all the time. He had to live in the sanctuary of God, very comfortable, very at home, but then had to go out and bring a message that was very uncomfortable. And I think John lived that life really well. I think he will have had times where he was snugged up in the sanctuary of God, listening to him, learning from him, understanding, finding his identity there, and then going out and bringing things that were uncomfortable, hard to hear, that would help people, but actually weren't necessarily what people wanted to hear. If you are prophetic, if you are a prophet, can I encourage you to speak up and speak out? Can I encourage you to be in the sanctuary of God and enjoy him and find your identity there and make sure you know who you are before him, but then get your message out there? We all have something to say, it's just whether or not we'll say it. John was prepared to say it. John knew where his shelter was. John knew where his hope was. Therefore, he spoke. Therefore, he acted. And I want to encourage you, Julie and Peter and Nicola, you heard something from God, which is why you decided to get baptized. I want to encourage you to be men and women that listen to him and do what he says. So in the shelter of his place, read his word, hear his commands to you and act on it. 
Be prepared that you won't always look like the people around you. You won't always act like the people around you. You won't always sound like the people around you. But be at home with God. Understand that he is your safe space. He is your shelter. He is your refuge. He is the place you run to. And speak up and act out. Keep doing what you've done today. Demonstrate that I'm following Jesus. No turning back. I'm going after him. I'm for him. I choose him. Keep doing that. Best decision you'll ever make. John knew the one thing he was called to do. So he said, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. John understood what his part in the story was, and he understood what Jesus' part in the story was. He understood the role that he should play and the thing that he should do and what he was preparing for Jesus to do. He didn't step into Jesus' stuff. He did his stuff, and he did it well. He knew that he was to preach a message of repent and be baptized. He knew that he was to be clear with people But he knew that when the Messiah turned up, he was to say, there he is, now follow him. He knew that he had to become less so that he would become more. He knew that. He knew the thing that he was living for. And my question for you this morning is, like John, do you know the thing that you're living for? Do you know what your life's about? Do you know what your message is? Do you know the one thing that you've been put on the earth to do? Do you know your skill set and your gifts that God has put inside of you because he wants to make good use of you? Are you using them? Are you giving your energy, your life to the thing that God called you for? And you might sit there and think, well, I'm not really sure what I'm called to. Ask some of the people around you what you're good at. And in every situation you behave like and what you're like. Ask God to help you with that. Say to him, what is it you've done in my life? What is it you're doing in my life? Don't dismiss the job that you do. Chances are, if you're a nurse, a teacher, a doctor, if you're an accountant, if you're whatever it is you do, chances are you do that because you're wired up and your gift mix is such that it has led you down that road. Chances are there things that you thought about doing when you were young. Have a look at what you do and ask yourself, am I, like John, doing the thing that God has called me to? Am I spending my life doing the things that God has asked of me? Or am I wasting my time? I feel like if John was here today, he'd say, don't waste your life. Spend it on the things that God has asked of you. Do it. He'd probably call your names as well because, you know, the Pharisees really got some name calling, didn't they? I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm nicer than John. <laughs> Only just. John did the one thing that he knew God had asked of him, that he'd been set apart for, that he'd been called, chosen, prophesied over to do. Ask yourself that question, am I doing it? Am I doing the thing that God has asked of me? 
If you need some help with that, join a life group, ask your life group leaders. If they get stuck and go, no clue, you've got a group overseer who knows so much. They will help you. If they get stuck, bring it up to us and we will help you. We will help you find out the thing that you're living with and feel called to do. It is one of our, second to seeing people saved and baptized, our next greatest pleasure to get people on their feet doing the things that bring them alive, doing the things that they feel called to do in their workplaces, at home, in church, doing the things that bring you to life. John got to see Jesus. So John didn't just say he's coming day after day after day. He didn't just baptize people for the forgiveness of their sins so that they could be right with God. He actually got to see him. And I love this bit in the story. So it says after his Baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove settling on him. And a voice from heaven says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me joy. John got to see Jesus and then baptize Jesus. I mean, it's like a pleasure, isn't it, Andrew, to baptize someone? Haley to baptize someone, Philip to baptize someone, Sam and Keith to baptize someone, Natalie to baptize. It's an absolute pleasure, isn't it, to play a part in their journey. Can you imagine baptizing Jesus? Like you baptized someone really good, like, like Julie. That, that was amazing. One of your friends and, and someone you love. Can you imagine baptizing the Savior? Can you imagine having to stand there and lower him down and bring him back up, touching him, holding, like the one who created all things, and you're holding him, you're baptizing him. He's humbling himself to be baptized by you, and you're thinking, I should be baptized by you. Like, that would surely be the right way round. John should have been going down, and Jesus said, no, no, no. You touch me, you hold me, you take me down, you bring me back up. Just so beautiful and incredible. John not only got to say he's coming, John got to welcome him into, onto his ministry scene. John got to put him down in the water, bring him back up. John got to hear the voice that came from heaven saying, this is my son who I love. With him, I'm well pleased. God, John got to see the Holy Spirit rest on him. Like, the, I mean, there are so many stories I would have liked to have been a part of in the Bible. That has to be in my top five of a story that I just would have liked to have been and seen. Hearing a voice from heaven that said, this is my son. Seeing the Holy Spirit descend on the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, must have been incredible. John got to hold all of that because he made a decision much earlier on that he would go all out for Jesus, that he would not be concerned about what everybody else thought, but he would put him first. He would choose to live the life that he had to him. He would be born again. He would live his life following Jesus. John got to hold Jesus, draw close to Jesus, touch Jesus, hear 
Jesus being spoken over. I mean, John got to witness the most incredible things. I want to tell you today, if you've been baptized and you made that choice to follow Jesus, you get to know Jesus in an even greater way, yourselves personally, because you have made another step that says, I put him first. You get to touch him, draw near to him, come close to him. And not because you're being well behaved, but because you are listening to Jesus and out of relationship with him, you are saying, yes, Lord. Let me encourage you as Christians in the room, if you listen to Jesus, say yes to Jesus and follow Jesus, you get to encounter him over and over again in amazing ways, ways that will wreck you and ruin you for anything else. If you are not saved in the room, if you don't know Jesus as your personal saviour, that for you would be your first step to say, I choose to follow you, I decide to follow you, and you get to come so close to him, you get to touch him. You get to be right with God, one with God. You get to be in Christ. You get to draw near to God as he draws near to you. You get your sins forgiven. You get washed clean and you get to come into his very presence and have him with you daily. It is the most incredible decision that you will ever make. I would encourage you if you've not made that personal choice to follow Jesus to make it, And I won't do a hard sell on it because I actually think it's outrageously good. And if you want it, it's there. And it's it's yours for the taking. The kingdom of God is like that. If you want it, you can have it. It's a beautiful kingdom and an amazing relationship to be welcomed into. But as Christians, we need to keep on drawing close to God, keep on making decisions that put him first, keep on touching his stuff and his kingdom and him and keep on with that journey just like John was. If the band could come up and join me. When I say that, I'm not going to start singing, all right? If the band could come up and join me. If you would like to stand... We're going to worship our beautiful Jesus. If you don't know him and want to know him, you should make a decision to follow him. You should ask for the forgiveness of your sins and you should allow him to wash you and come close to you. If you know him, you should keep on making decisions that put him first. You should keep on doing the things he's asked of you. You should be prepared to stand out not fit in, at times be bringing a message that feels so countercultural. If you are prophetic, speak up. The wilderness out there needs voices that will speak into it, needs voices that will say, God is coming, get ready. It's what I will spend my life doing. Because it's the best fun pointing out that Jesus is here. And then when he turns up and people meet him, it's incredible. So let's meet Jesus this morning. If you want to ask more questions, come back to church. Come and see us. Go to another church. There are loads of fantastic churches out there. Find a place where you can, like John, encounter Jesus, touch him, love him, enjoy him. Amen?